This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and with me today, as usual, is the absolutely fantastic Jojo. I say hello, Jojo. How did you do to you, young madam? How did you do to you? As we always do. <laughs> All right, well, welcome everybody. And this is, of course, uh, our second show of the year, but the first time we're actually recording in this year, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, that's right. We, we, we pulled a little, a little, what are those called? Not switcheroo, but a little, little sneaky sneak there. Yeah. <laughs> we, the last show we did, even though we wish you a happy new year and the whole thing, it was recorded actually on December th- 30th, 30th or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we knew it was going to come out on New Year's. So we decided to, yeah. uh, you know, to greet you with the happy new year and the whole thing. Isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, you didn't, you don't, you don't need hungover hosts. So. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm not myself on those days. <laughs> Right, so with all that said, today we are back and we are going to be discussing, actually we are a bit back with this show that we are discussing today, because this show came out, if I remember correctly, it came out late November and it went through towards the end of December. And it was a show that we considered talking about and at some point, it was one of those things where we don't like shows that come out like once a week. <laughs> and we thought we wouldn't have enough context to talk about this show when it was only two episodes or whatever, even though it was on everybody's uh, radar. So we decided to pass on it. So uh, we're talking about The Wheel of Time on Prime, Prime Video. And so this time... All the episodes are available. We decided, let's have a go at it. Right, Jojo? That's right. Yep. And so, of course, I have to start with you. Jojo, what did you think of The Wheel of Time as a series? Well, I probably need to preface this with saying that the sword and sorcery epics are not really my thing. I love Tolkien, and I kind of consider him the, the one and only. So this kind of thing is always hard to win me over. So that's my disclaimer. <laughs> that being said, though, um, I, I did enjoy this series. It took me a while to get into it. I lost interest here and there, but it pulled me, managed to pull me back in. And I think it's a really good adaptation. I have not read this, the series, the book series, but it really seems to be a, a good adaptation and, and maybe brings some different elements to it that might be a little, might improve on the books from what I've read. Yeah, I think I'm with you in the sense that even though not in the whole context of, you know, swords and sorcery thing, because I'm a big Game of Thrones guy, whereas I'm not a big Tolkien guy. <laughs> 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 you know, but I do see what I do see your point. And I also do think that you're right in the sense that it seems to bring a very different element to this entire genre of of sword and sorcery and sometimes that element 
is good for a certain amount of time within the storyline. And at some point, it sort of like fades out and you left asking yourself what the fuck I'm watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and also it did take me, I think the first episode about 53 minutes and it, it, it took me towards the end of the first episode, about minute 45 to sort of like get into it and start to understand what I'm watching. And maybe, again, I'm not that smart and shit, so there's that. <laughs> you know, but but I have to say that this is a show where I see a lot of potential. And I think if there are more seasons to come, then this show could get better and it could become the next Game of Thrones, if if I dare to say so. What do you say, George? I, yeah, I, 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 would absolutely agree with you as a competition to Game of Thrones if it weren't on Amazon. <laughs> I hate to say that because I don't think a lot of people watch Amazon. Uh, I think if this was on HBO Max, for example, it would have blown up and completely been the next pre, uh, the successor to to Game of Thrones. And I think that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, honestly, just when it's just platform, I'm not talking about a production value change or, or anything or, or actors or, or anything at all like that. I'm just talking about platform change as to where it is. And I think if this had been on HBO, we would be talking about a mega hit. And I, I do think it's a shame that that's probably not going to happen with it being on Amazon. That being said, though, it is it is pretty popular. Yeah, I just don't think it's as popular as it as it would be. And uh, again, that's that's a shame because it it does have good production values. I enjoy the cast very much. Yeah, and I think even the media, even the critics, sort of like give a a slide to anything that is on Amazon, regardless of how great of a quality it has, because. The Boys, as of yet, has only been has only been nominated for like effects or sound effects or some shit like that, but no 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 serious nomination. And The Boys is perhaps other than Mrs. Maisel, I think the most popular show on Amazon Prime. And, and it's a fabulous show. And it's an absolutely fantastic <laughs> show. There's that, yes. right? Yes. So so I think you you're right. Like I mean, it, it's it's just a damn shame that no one seems to take Amazon video seriously enough to say, we think they are in, in competition. We think that they are worth talking about, worth considering, and what they do brings value to the entire notion of streaming. So we are in agreement with that, Jojo, and to continue talking about this show, The Wheel of Time, Let's uh, have you put it out there for our listeners. What is this show about, Judge? <laughs> this one's this one's a little hard. Yeah, <laughs> a little hard actually. <laughs> so it, it it is fantasy. It's sword and sorcery fantasy, uh, science fiction. It is based on a series of very beloved novels that. I believe there's 14 novels in the series, if I'm remembering correctly. So this one is an adaptation of, I think, if I read, it's sort of a mixture of the first two novels in the series, if I, if what, if what the source I read was correct. But it's at, le- at least the first novel in the series. 
And what it is about is the fact that, or the idea that time is a wheel, that it is constantly spinning, that we sort of repeat patterns, that people are, will be born again when the wheel of time needs them to be born again at certain times. So there's that. There is a sort of a, a power that is, uh, I suppose you could say, celestial or godly, not of this earth, that is something that women can channel for miraculous events such as healing and protection and things like that. And uh, But there are men who can touch the power, but if they use it, 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 it turns them mad, makes them crazy. So this is the story of one in particular, uh, a woman in particular who has received through dreams and visions and prophecy that a new dragon is going to be born. The dragon is someone who was born every few thousand years, and there is a, a fight with the Dark One to, I guess, essentially over, over Earth. And it is interesting in the series that they sort of go forwards and backwards in time. They do show the fact that time is a wheel, is a cycle, and that it's... Uh, you know, it's not a, it's not linear. Time is not run in a straight line, but it runs in a circle. So that, that's the co cool part about it. But so it's just about the quest for her finding these people that she believes are part of a prophecy. She and her people believe are part of a prophecy to win the war for Earth, for light. And uh, them coming together, their relationships between one another, and uh, how they get to what may be a final battle with who they call the Dark One. I, I think you have done a fantastic job. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't know even where to start if you are, if if I were the one with the question of what is this show about, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because what I'm saying is there are so many elements and dynamics that I discovered on this show that that I wanted to talk about and I wanted to take notes and things like that because there are, first of all, there's a convergence of world philosophies, if you will, that I see here. And also, this show has, it criticizes a little bit of the way that modern humans, especially in Western culture, we turn everything into, we have an incredibly binary way of addressing questions that don't necessarily have one answer. <laughs> and, and, and time in itself is one of those questions that does not have an answer, whereas in, in the Western, Western culture, we feel that we have defined time. And it is, again, that linear philosophy, like move forward. And if you go back in time, you're going backward, <laughs> you know, but, but if you notice the philosophies of the, of the, of the East, they have always utilized the patterns of circle in that what goes around comes around. And so, so is time while we live in, in, in this one life and we think that it is everything, that everything goes away once we pass away, we don't know. There's no way of us knowing whether or not what we do when we pass away is just passing on to another circle of time that does not exist in this particular, uh, uh, in this 
particular circle. Um, am I going too dark here? I don't think so. No, not at all. <laughs> I think this show is, I mean, okay, so you can watch this show just for the sword and sorcery, right? There's, there's pretty women in it. There's handsome men. There's sword fighting. There's that kind of thing. If you want to watch it just for that, you can, you absolutely can. But if you want to watch it from a more philosophical stance and think about how this is pulled from different religions of the world over thousands of years, how it addresses the patriarchy, misogyny, things like that, you can absolutely dig deeper into it like that. So I, I do understand the the appeal of sword and sorcery uh, as a whole of a genre. Um, I There's some that are crap, but <laughs> but good ones absolutely are going to make you think. But the lovely thing about them is you can just take them at face value and go, I'm just going to lean back and watch, you know, pretty people or ugly people or whatever beat the crap out of each other. And that's that. But I do like that this one has some more meat on the bones, if you will. And there is a lot of pulling from culture, from real life, things to think about that do affect us in the way we live our lives right now. And yes, you. I I love the fact that you you, you talk about how you notice that convergence not only of philosophies and religion but also how it utilizes ethnicity in a way that we have always viewed in a binary form (laughs) and whenever i saw people within the show if you notice when they were they have an, an they had an asian complexion to them you will see all kinds of Asians. You will see people that we in the Western culture, especially in the United States, don't normally associate with Asia. You know, most people don't th- don't know, most Americans don't know, for example, that Afghans, Pakistanis, uh, uh, Indians are, are, are Asians, right? Because as soon as they speak Arabic or Farsi, we think they are from the Middle East, you know. Yes. But the Middle yes. East is... <laughs> the Middle East is Asian, much in the same way that most Americans would not associate a, a Mauritanian or a, a Moroccan or to Africa, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, yes. so the way... These production, and I think the casting did a brilliant job in that respect, unites people within the same uh, frame. Every time we, we, we saw, it was a very multi-ethnic gentilist that they created. And from different regions within the story, and I loved it, I love uh, all of that, the, the diversity that they were able to, to, to bring. Also, Jojo, you talked about the... I want to, I, I, I want to, re- so, so I'm trying to refer to this in a way that we understand there is a touch of feminism to this entire story, but it's not the imposing feminism that snowflakes are <laughs> afraid of. It rather brings to light how no matter how much time passes, Misogyny is always going to be there, and even even in the way that power is distributed, would you care to uh, to elaborate on that for me? Because I I was able to uh, that issue of the women are able to channel this power, and they are indeed powerful. Yet 
to a certain extent, men are still in charge. <laughs> it is yes. men that wield the power of big movements. Talk yes. about that a bit, George. What, what, what do you mean? Yes. yes. So I, 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 so I have to laud this for some of what it did uh, for the for addressing misogyny and sexism, and some of it it disappointed me on a little bit, which I can't really talk about too much because I think it'll give away the ending. No, I won't. I can talk about it. Okay. So <laughs> I think that it's a, a very interesting idea that women could wield this power, this very, very strong force, and it did not affect their mind. They did not become drunk with power. They did not become mad with power, uh, at least not what, for what we were shown. These women, although they became powerful and they, they made a, a white tower, uh, a refuge for themselves, you know, it was, it was mostly peaceful. And they used their powers when they had to for violence when they had to. So I found that interesting when you would compare that to the fact that in this world, if men were able to reach out and touch that power, they could become incredibly powerful, perhaps even more powerful than a woman, but it drove them mad. And mad in the sense of, I think, one of the first men that did it killed his entire family. And, and it just made them very violent and made them very uh, much like, I don't know how to describe it, but just out for themselves, out for, for revenge, out for more power, more, 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 I want more. And so you kind of saw the, the difference. I think you could use that probably as an allegory as to the way the author felt, uh, about how women would use power and about how men do use power. In this world, though, you also see quite a few of the large strongholds and quite a few of the the smaller packs of, of, of people are run by men, which is is interesting to me in a world that where women can wield power, I feel that <laughs> this 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 massive, you know, mystical force that that there would ever be like you feel like men would just always be <laughs> lackeys, honestly. You would think that women would treat men the way that men treat women currently. But that's not what so it seems to happen. So um so you still have men that are in charge quite a bit. And then what we see at the end of this, it, it disappointed me a little bit because I felt that the protagonist, the very, very important person, the one that this is all about, I did not understand why the choice was made to make that a male. I was confused by that. I felt that if someone was going to be able to wield the true power, that it would have to be someone feminine. But I may not... I may have gotten lost a little bit in some of the mythology of the story. So I, they, they may have lost me a bit. It, it, it may have to be a certain gender. I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, I, I see your point. I see, the, I see the last point that you're making there. And what it makes me think about is, is the way society, because society is always run by men, right? Even... When we have to recognize that a woman has great power, right, we create 
a place yes. for that woman to be. Yes. And it can only be that place. So if you notice, whenever we, throughout the series, whenever it was discovered that a woman was able to channel this thing, it was, you know that the White Tower is going to recruit you. You're going to be relegated yes. to being an Aes Sedai. Yes. <laughs> That's You're all you could be. It's yes. just an amazing thing. And yes. I don't know if the author did that on purpose. But you could tell that 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 any woman who wields that power could only be relegated, and perhaps no, I'm using relegated in that respect in in a uh, in a with a broad brush, if you will. But I, I see it as a, a a relegation. You know, I see it as a relegation, and I don't know if you if you see it that way, because even again towards the end, right? Uh, I, I I see the point where. None of the males that were part of the group, to me, qualified to be the, re the dragon reborn. Yeah. Uh, you know, because all of them had a, a certain flaw that made you suspicious. The moment you could, you could see them having that power of being the dragon reborn, you, you can see all the flaws in them that could make them tyrannical. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And if, if touching that magic amplifies the bad in you for, for men, specifically for the masculine sex, then, you know, how could that possibly be the dragon reborn? Exactly. Unless the wheel this time wants the dark one to win, since the wheel is in charge and the wheel is the one that is churning this out. So, But again, at the same time, though, I, I feel like the story kind of got lost in the, in the line of storytelling. Because I, got, I, I was at some point led to believe that maybe the reincarnation, the dragon reborn this time, in accordance to the will of time, was actually split in five. Yes. Yes. And to my surprise, there was the one. Yes. And I was I was ready to accept the idea that yes, I... splitting the, the dragon reborn in five is was going to be finally the one thing that would keep it from being pulled in by the dark one. Yes. I thought that that was, was a really cool... Like I was like rooting for that. Yes, I, I, I was. I, I was. I was rooting for that. I was rooting for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that disappointed me a bit, and I don't know. I, of course, we've not read the book, so we we couldn't know. It is possible that other decisions were made for this particular series. True. But but True. I was I, I was disappointed. Let's talk about the characters uh, one by one. We. <laughs> The the Isidar, we've we've touched on them a little bit. I I love the Isidar because it's for me it's what you would describe as a a circle of wisdom, in in a representation of everything that's good. But the beautiful thing about it for me is that the author also gave you a glance into the failings and the shortcomings of the Aes Sedar, especially within the White Tower. 
And I want to talk a little bit about the waters too. So let's go into that. So what do you think of the asset owners? I, yeah. So I think that that's, uh, they're a very cool literary introduction. I think, I think it's awesome to have that. And also to not, in the sense, really deify them, as you said, they're, they're not perfect. Uh, it's, it's, it's a sort of a utopia, I suppose you could say the white tower is, but at the same time, you still have the politics, you still have the infighting, you still have different sections or sections or cliques, if you will. There was something I noticed in this that I, there was one scene in particular where the the red Aja is speaking to one of the blue Ajas, uh, and she, it, it's going to sound strange, but it was one of the few times I've seen on screen women talking to one another, and you could both see that they were in a portion, in a place of power, very confident in themselves, very confident in their position, and they had absolutely no qualms speaking to one another as fellow Aes Sedai. Right. And so often what we see on film is an inequality there between women when they're speaking to each other or when they're speaking to men. You know, the woman is either much stronger than the male or the, the women speaking to each other. One of them is more submissive. But this was two people. And it was it was really not an important conversation. I mean, it was a, it was important. It wasn't that important to the story, but the way it was presented was so normal and natural. It wasn't presented as a, as a big deal, but I just loved that it was there that these two women are talking to each other as equals. And it kind of made me sad that I don't see that as much as I would like to. And I, and, and you know, it's, it's just, they weren't talking about a man either. <laughs> That's one of the other, the other things too, they were, they were discussing, uh, politics and, and something that was going on in the, in the white tower with the Aes Sedai. So I just, uh, I, I enjoyed that portion of it, and I enjoyed the fact that these women weren't really, as, as you said before, deified or, or put on a pedestal or anything like that in the sense of them being perfect. Yeah, you, 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 um, I'm with you on that. I, I think these, even within a, a sisterhood, the idea of men who write, I suppose, is that, you know, can't fight. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and, and, and there wasn't any of that. There was a normal claim of power in a sense that it was more like a competitive thing as opposed to women going, going, the red Aja, for instance, she had her agenda, but human beings have agenda. We always yes. have agenda, you know, Yes. and her agenda wasn't even, her agenda wasn't even against the the, the blue eyes dog, but rather the what you would call the, the throne, the seat, right? And yes. so and so she knew how to get to the seat by attacking the closest thing to the seat, the the apparent heiress apparent, if you will. So that wasn't necessarily that cat fighty kind of shit that you would see on 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 on. No, TV. it was it was. Just straight politics, just straight regular office stuff that you, you know, would go down. There was no touch of, oh, this has to have a feminine twist to it or whatever. No, this is just about people and how people work. And it, it wasn't needlessly gendered. Yeah. And I, con I like that they're consistently referred to it as, 
you know, the white tower politics, because that's, yes. that's all it was. Yes. Um, there are a couple of things that kind of bothered me with the way the story goes is like one, for women to 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 have a a valid storyline, somehow they get either disgendered or desexualized. In the sense that a wisdom never weds. <laughs> you know? And the idea of the water is kind of a husband, but it's not in that sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you see that? Tell, 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 tell me, tell, tell, give me your thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's uh, something there that that is I can't quite put my finger on either, but that is a little, a little odd and a little off. And again, without having read the series, I sort of feel like I'm, I'm, I might be, you know. That might help. That might gain some light on it. But once you have the ability to 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 ch channel this power as a woman, you know, you get sent off as a novice, which is, uh, I think that's a word that's used in the Catholic Church. You would know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it made me think of a nunnery, essentially. That's exactly it. Yes. And um, so, like, you would get sent to a nunnery, and then you would bond with a handler who from what i saw they were all male but they you know it seemed like some of them had a sexual relationship with their handlers some of them absolutely did not i, I think one had two handlers if i understood that part correctly and so i just I, I was mildly confused by some of what, what was going on with that. And, and there was sort of an undercurrent that, that I, I did, couldn't, I could not, I can't, I don't think I can articulate it, but I, I didn't really like it. It kind of felt like men are still in charge. Like you have a handler, a handler, and it's a, it's a man. I don't well, know. They refer to it as, as a water. And water, water, yeah, sorry. And, and so when, when someone tried to bring the, bring up the fact that the water was more like an errand boy, somehow the water said, no, actually, I don't serve her. She serves me. And I'm like, really? Did we have to go that way? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand that, you know? Yeah. Uh, maybe as a couple, there would be a certain amount of equality uh, between the two of them. Because it seems to me almost as if there, every water was somehow a rescue puppy, <laughs> and in in gratitude, they dedicated their lives to be bonded to to their to the Isidar. But that's what I thought it was. That's what I was getting to to believe that it was. But somehow I was I don't know mistaken or whatever. Uh, yeah, that see that's that. To me, is kind of a tricky area too because if you if this is just your your little puppy that you you know is going to yeah. follow you around, then that's that's icky too. But they're yeah. so <laughs> they're not there. There's no way that they are you know subordinates of each other, even though they, they have this bond apparently right. that they can feel each other's feelings and that sort of thing. They they are not on the same level with each other in any way whatsoever. But for them to say for the handler to say that she serves me, I'm just like, I don't know, what the f 
it, it, it yeah. kind of built the whole thing. Like, you know, like where they always say, like, behind a good woman is a strong or behind a good man is a strong woman. Right. That's right. kind of what it felt like to me. Like, oh, she's only as great as she is because of but her. Behind. her... But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. it's, it's uh, sometimes people think people think that they're saying a good thing, you know, and, and it's like, no, 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 don't say that. No, no. Did you think yeah. about it? You know what I mean? It's like when yeah. you, you say to somebody of color, like, oh, you're so articulate. Yeah, motherfucker, I speak. <laughs> like, what Christ. the fuck? <laughs> what the hell did you expect? You know? <laughs> yes, yes. So, I mean, so for me, it's not, for me, feminism isn't, isn't about women being better than men. It's for uh, equality. And, you know, we're, we're, we're all the, we're human beings is right. what it comes down to for me. We are all human beings. And some of us are assholes and some of us aren't. Some of us are good people. Some of us are shitty people. But we're just people. And I, when it comes to, I guess, power is what I'm talking about, you know, but we have this human experience. So I, I, I don't like the idea of a, of a man being a little puppy following a woman around. And I absolutely don't like the idea of a woman being, you know, manipulated by, by a man to use her power. So that part, I just found icky. So the thing is that it bothers me because in every mythology, even including the ones of monotheistic Christianity and neo-Judaic religions, you will always find that in order for a woman to be the good one, she has to be sexless, right? Yes. Somehow yes. the Catholic Church managed to make, and again, story as old as time, right? Mary was a virgin, and somehow Joseph lived with her for the rest of his life, but you know, never got himself wholesome. <laughs> you, <laughs> yes, that's fucking bullshit, right? Like, it, it, I mean, let's not do that. Like, why? You know, but but the, a woman, we're going to give her power. But at the same time, we're going to take the power of sex away from her because that's dirty. And she said, that's fucking bullshit. Let's, let's just, let's just, let's just stop with this. Let's just stop with that. You know, the wisdom, I mean, the wisdom. Yes. Yes. Why does it have to be such a lonely destiny? You, you know, the person, wisdom is, is one of the most powerful people in any town. You, she's the healer. She's the counselor. She's, she's the wisdom of the town. Why does she have to be sexless? Yes. Why? Yes. It's yeah. cringy to me, and I wish yes. modern authors would stop doing that shit. Yes. I wish it stopped because it's yes. just, just just too antique and out of out of line. You know, yes. maybe I'm ranting yes. about something that doesn't make any sense, but I, I understand myself. <laughs> <laughs> I understand you. I understand you. Because, I, I mean, even even the sexual relationships that we saw, which there weren't a, a huge amount of them, but the, the, what we saw in this series with the women, it was sort of, there was no sort of, it was all clandestine. You know, right. when, when when the, the, the red Aja, which they apparently have, have no... They don't like men or yeah. whatever. And then it, she has a relationship with a man and it was, well, I'm going to tell everybody and you know what they're going to do to them. It's like, yeah, yeah. she can't get some. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I mean, what, what the, and, and the relationship between the, the two very powerful 
Aes Sedai, that was, nobody could know about that either. Right. And yeah. I get that, that it was, it was pushed, put forward as this is politics and this is, we can't reveal this because, you know, that will be seen as this and that and the other and whatever. But it, to me, I was like, no, it's more than that. It's, yeah. it's, you're being clandestine. You can't show these women as being sexual beings. Right. And right. so the woman who had I, two, what are, what are they called again, Graham? Warders. Warders, warders, who had two warders, and they apparently had, you know, were together and had lots of sex. One, we never got to see any of that relationship. <laughs> and two, not that I wanted to, but but two, when it was referred to, it was referred to as a joke and right. as something ridiculous and as something shameful. And so it wasn't like, oh, she does this with these two guys and, and just put put it forward as a as a fact, it was put forward as <laughs> they 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 have threesomes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like you know, what what the hell? We're all grown up. Shut up. <laughs> and, and that's, that is, I also feel like the, the series went out of its way to sort of explain these dynamics between yes. between the waters in their in their isodas and also for the for their wisdom. Like, yeah, they have power and she but you ain't never gonna see them having sex. Like, no, yeah. that shit doesn't. And yeah. when it happens, though, it's just like, ooh, it's something bad, you know? Yeah, yeah. Fuck off. Naughty, very, very naughty. Yeah, Which, yeah. again, we're you know we're talking about patriarchy and 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 women. If women enjoy sex, then they're sluts and whores. Right, right. So the only way anybody can be good and have any power is you know, keep your legs shut and don't <laughs> think of England. That's it. That's it. So this is our little rant about about this whole thing. <laughs> but but again, we haven't read the book, so so we don't no. know if these are lines that the series itself created uh, to Correct. to to sort of like because there was a lot of that on Game of Thrones. It is important. It's important to remember, for instance, that the series of Game of Thrones in books hasn't gotten to its end. In no. fact, it's frozen. <laughs> <laughs> frozen yeah. in time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. so, so George R. R. Martin is still like chilling, and she's like, hey, I don't know when I get to yeah. it. I'll get to it. You know. I'm enjoying my paychecks, man. And it's, it's, it's just leave me alone. Somebody bring me a margarita. <laughs> yeah. He seems like somebody who would enjoy a margarita. I don't know. He might be hey, a sangria dude. This dude is like one of the most interesting assholes I've ever seen. They now call, I, I call him assholes. Asshole out of flow. Yes. Because, you know, he's, 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 a, he's a special one. But, you know, my reference to Game of Thrones doesn't have anything to do with this show. What, show. what I'm saying is that there are a lot of things that happen with a show that is developed from a book for TV or for, for the screen that a lot of adaptations have to be made. And yes. it doesn't necessarily mean that's how it was proposed in the books, but, but rather in order for the series to make sense to a certain extent or to 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 become a bit more interesting for the screens so we don't know any of that all of what we are criticizing is based on what we've seen on the series yes and obviously we have made the decision that we are going to to view this as much deeper than just sitting back and watching people yes. beat the crap out of each other <laughs> We've decided to go the deep route with this show, folks. So, I, I think our listeners, I think our listeners, I would much rather do that. Yeah, I think our listeners though know that about us. 
Do you know I what hope I mean? that they do and expect that from us, honestly. I yeah. mean, I hope that's part of why they listen to us. It's not because they're going to go, oh, this is great. And, you know, there's this amazing battle scene. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. But they, but that at some point they know we're going to pull some sort of, of, of uh, what is the word I'm trying to think of, Graham? Some kind of a comparison to life and real life and, and criticisms about politics and current world situations and things like that when when I, I think the moment i decided to ask you to do a podcast with me it was the moment i realized that you approached what you see what you watch even though from you know to be entertained but also looking for a deeper meaning because i do that a lot and when i tried to have these conversations with my wife my wife was like fuck off you know <laughs> And I'm not saying, but my wife doesn't, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't watch TV in that context. And, and it's a lonely yeah. thing for me because I'm always overanalyzing, right? You know, when you spend four years in a, in a, in a seminary, philosophy gets to you in a way, you know, that, that everything you have to draw a parallel or a comparison. And, yeah. and I have a yeah. few things that have, that have stayed with me from being a seminarian. And it's that, it's like, everything I see, I have to see, N nothing is linear for me, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. so, so finding you, discovering that there was someone out there that, <laughs> <laughs> that does that, it was like, ah, you know. <laughs> so you are the Isidar and, and, and I am your water. <laughs> If we can put it that way. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. <laughs> yes. No, and I, you know, there's, there is nothing wrong with watching something purely for entertainment value. And none of us are, you know, we're not criticizing the folks who do that by any means, but it, it is for you and I, Graham. And I think for a lot of our listeners, we want to know more. We aren't just watching this really for entertainment. We are watching this to be educated or to think more about the world about us or to, to have a different worldview on things maybe, or just to, just to learn. And, you know, I, for me, I obviously didn't go to seminary, but my, <laughs> I, I did have a, a father who everything had to make sense or everything had to have a meaning or everything had to be explained or explainable. And yes. so, uh, and I was very close to my father. So it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't like I was like, Oh, shut up, dad. God, there yeah, you go yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, it was a very similar mindset. Like, okay, I want to know how this works. And, and I get that way about television. I get that way about everything. I think I drive my husband insane. Cause I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> We have to make this make sense. And I can suspend belief. Like, obviously I can because I can watch fantasy things. But the, the, to, in the suspension of belief, there has to be some sort of a grain of believability or continuity to be able to say, okay, yes, I can continue to watch this. I can continue to spend time on this because I want to know more about this character because what they're doing makes sense or what they're doing has some proportion has some relevance to what I am currently going through or something I've gone through in the past or something that's happening in the world right now. I want to learn. So that's where it comes from me. I just went on a rant. I'm sorry. 
No, no, no. But but this is this is and the reason I think we are doing making this parenthesis is because obviously there are some of the things that we address that 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 some listeners I don't know if they're occasional or if they just discover our show, you know, but they don't like right because sometimes we've gone political, sometimes we've we've gone entirely philosophical, like we do this time, and most of the time what we do is that again we draw parallels in comparison to to real life, and I don't think I've heard an analysis of for instance, Squid Game, like the one we did. And, and, and maybe that has had a connection with a lot of people because they, it's still our most popular episode, right? Yes, yes. But, but I do know that sometimes we, wrote, we rob people the wrong way. I do know that a lot of people find this show and they want to hear the entertaining portion of the show that we are reviewing and we don't necessarily address it that way and they're like, fuck that. Because... You know, I, I look sometimes at the different consoles for the apps where we get listened to. For instance, on Pandora, we 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 got we get a lot of listens, right? But over the last year, we had about twenty-five thumbs down, <laughs> thumb downs. You know, and and I imagine it's because we may have said something in some certain episodes that uh, rub people the wrong way. That will happen. But again. I appreciate, we appreciate the ones who have stuck with us and probably have understand, understood the format of this podcast is not to people who are like, goo goo gaga, like, oh my God, did you see the Kardashians and blah, blah, blah. That's not what we do. Yeah. We watch stuff and then we try to, to break it down in a way that satisfies our curiosity as, as, as homo sapiens, <laughs> you know. Uh, so let's get into the cast uh, for a moment, Jojo. And um, I have to say, though, to me, the, the most impressive thing about this show is actually the cast. And I think you know that because I've already talked about the diversity of the general cast. But, but the people that, that, have, that are at the forefront are, are impressive to me. So... The show is produced, actually, by Rosamund Pike, and uh, I love her in this role. Yeah. I love yeah. her in this role. She uh, is an actress that is, I think, on a whole nother level. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and she proves that in, in, in all of her parts that she plays. She must think very carefully about the parts that she accepts, and she she is amazing. And I think in in ten years, people she's going to be the Meryl Streep of. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and say something a bit controversial here. Okay. I think that Tilda Swinton is incredibly overrated, and the kind of attention that Tilda Swinton gets, that attention actually, who deserves it more than Tilda Swinton is uh, Rosamund Pike. I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, Tilda Swinton has that weird look and shit that makes people think that she's some kind of mystique or whatever. And she's a fantastic she, actress. I'm not going to say she's she not. Is a, she's a fantastic actress, but no, I agree. Some of her 
parts are incredibly she makes them very cartoonish uh very yes. two-dimensional yes not all of them she's not but it's like she's not always on when she's on she's she's Boom. she's amazing and 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 great but a lot of her parts it's like oh man just a little harsh <laughs> yeah go away <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and 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 i'm not in this case pitting two women again against themselves or whatever that's not what i'm doing but I think the kind of talent that I see on in Rosamund Pike is that there are no trivial characters to her. Yeah. And, and she gives a certain respect to the roles that she takes on that elevates it to, like you would say, in the hands of anybody else, this is a character that is meh, but... With her, this character is in good hands, and I I loved her in this. Uh, she was slightly yeah. creepy, but with a, with, with with a brilliant touch of fantastic. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> she yeah, she is she she plays strong women, very strong women characters without an emphasis on the woman really. Uh, she she makes strong women characters humans as opposed to you know oh here's a here's a strong woman a very very strong um, you know push emphasis on the woman part a, a sense of otherness she doesn't pull that sense of otherness she she brings humanity to the strong roles that she plays and uh, I think that that has to be a very difficult thing to do. And I don't know if that's because of the polit politics of Hollywood, if it's the way that women are taught in acting, because, of course, everything is 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 seeped in misogyny <laughs> so much. So I, I don't know. But for whatever reason, she is wonderful at pulling humanity into her roles. And, um, it you know, honestly, it could be replaced I feel a lot of the times that her roles could be replaced with a male actor if you wanted to, yeah. and it, there wouldn't be any difference per se. She doesn't make a woman an other. That's that's a description right there. She doesn't make a woman an other. It's just a woman that is equally another human being as, as yeah. any other motherfucker out there. And so for, I think I... I, I love the character of, of Moraine because of her. Uh, because, like I say, this is a very... Uh, sometimes it's, it's almost impossible to sympathize with that with this character. Yes. <laughs> but, yes. But, but she makes it possible. So I want... One of the things for me here is that they have cast a bunch of big names that you hardly know. Does that does that make sense, Jojo? Like I'm saying, what I'm saying is like there's a lot of actors here that have a pedigree that that is is this this show is exactly what they should be doing. That mm -hmm. that's the only way I can I can describe it. For instance, uh, what's his name? Daniel Henney, right? Daniel Henney is. Is a guy that flies under the radar, but you hard, you have hardly ever seen him in something that is, you can't you won't say, man, this was good. <laughs> you know, everything this dude mm -hmm. is on is good, and the character of the water that he played, it's not something that should shine. 
True. But, but his presence, he's 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 there, and he makes you feel his presence as something to be reckoned with. And I and I and I love it, you know. Yep. The older faces that I saw that I recognized, that I was like, huh, look who's there, is for instance Sofia Conedo. When when, when I saw uh, Sofia Conedo uh, playing the role of the was it the Armling Seat or whatever, is that mm -hmm. is that her name? You know, also Claire Perkins as as Karin uh, Naga, what is it that? You know the green, the green Aja. Yes, yes. You know, um, yeah. Those are those are actors that you've never seen on anything that you could say hmm, that wasn't good. But let's talk about the youngsters. This kid, Madeline Madden, she's got a huge future. She played Egwene. Yes. She has a huge future. She's a she's she's a fantastic actress, but she also has. A almost legendary mystical beauty that you know. I mean, like it's. Uh, she reminds me of a younger Sarita Chaudhary. Okay. You know, and and I love Sarita Chaudhary. Like I think she's she's, I I think she's it. Like in youth and in in um, getting into a certain age, I. And when I see this woman, I'm like, yeah, Chaudhary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so she reminds me, she reminds me of that. Uh, what did you think of her? I, I thought she was fabulous. I thought she did a lovely role with a, a part that could have been very, I don't want to say very meaningless, but it, it couldn't have, she made it more important than it might have been written. In the hands, I think, of a less talented actor would have been, could have been just sort of a little mousy, muley type. Yeah. Yes. But she made her a scared but strong person, brave. And yes. uh, that that was lovely. She's she's Australian, according she's Australian. to I am. Yes. Yeah. So she's, she's Australian. Yeah. And so is Zoe Robbins. I loved her. I think Zoe Robbins was my favorite. <laughs> yes. I freaking loved her. I loved her. I really think she was my favorite. There was a weird humor in everything she did, too. Like, even when she, like, I was like, I like, I, I mean, I love the character. And I think it was about her. You know what I mean? Like, the character became alive in her in her own way. Like, in her own, like, she, she's funny, even when she's being serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this character to me, it, I feel could have been really unlikable, like seriously unlikable and, and very prickly and very like stereotypical. I don't know, stereotypical know-it-all, stereotypical, I'm I'm better than you. I, I You know what, I'm not explaining it very well, but that's not how Zoe Robbins played her at all. And I... I, I loved her. I loved her performance and I loved this character and it was because of her. Yes. There was a sensibility to even the way she challenged yes. all of the veracity of the Isidar. Like, I'm not going to go ahead and believe you because I'm not naive like that. Yes. But if my friends want to stick with you, then I'll do it. And there was, you know, this sense of loyalty also was insane for me. Um, yes. So, so, and, and she made every, every, all of the younger actors around her better. 
whenever yeah. they interacted with her, you could see that there was something, there was an incredible connection. There are two actors here that I'm, I'm very also drawn by. The number one is of the younger ones. I'm talking about Marcus Rutherford. You know, my son's first name is Marcus, so yeah, I got it. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and but he's a good little actor. He reminds me of you know one of those kids that could be a companion to Doctor to Doctor Who or something. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I could see that too. I could see that too. I um, I I enjoyed him. I I did too. I think he was sweet, uh, and I don't mean that in a condescending way at, at all. I, I, I mean that in the, the kindest way possible. And the burden that he had to carry of the secret yes. he had. Yes. I think the way the actor portrayed that was, was really sensitive. Yes. And the fact that Marcus always, not always, but in times of emotion, he kind of seemed almost on this brink of tears, yes. whatever the emotion was, whether it was yes. anger or happiness or whatever, he, there was just the, the hint of tears. And I thought that was very lovely to see in a, a male actor and a male character yes. to be, to, to show the vulnerability and the, the humanity of, I, I may burst into tears over this and that's okay. You know, that's, yes. that's maybe something we need to do. Yes. yes. That was, that, that, that was exactly it. Like he, he was, he, he was able to show all that sensitivity and, and still remain a male. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. There was nothing that would, none of the, of his acting, showing emotion emasculated him in any way, but rather com affirmed and confirmed his maleness, you know. And we Again, need to see he, more of that. He, yes, he he didn't make that uh, as an other, quote-unquote yes. another. Uh, 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 he, he, that was part of his character's humanity. It had nothing to do with what what gender or sex he was yes absolutely and last of the youngsters not not really i mean but one of the youngsters that that caught my attention a lot is barney harris playing matt cothon yes this kid is a fantastic little actor and here's why i think so because he managed to make you see without a lot of makeup and a lot of like gimmicks that he was one a human being in a struggle between good and evil mm -hmm. and you could see it in his semblance you could see it in his eyes you could see it, you could actually see the good of him trying to pull itself out of that engulfing of the bad the I was like, this kid is good. This young man is a good little actor, isn't he? Yeah. 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 He was very, very good. Um, Yosha Stradovsky is uh, this young actor. Uh, he is he's Dutch. Um, he's the one that played Rand. And uh, sometimes it was a bit, you know, the, the character was a bit annoying. Mm. But yeah. I think that also when that happens is because the actor is, play, is playing the role <laughs> correctly. So there's that. Yeah. A surprising character, not a surprising character, but the, the actor who played this character, 
for me was, you know, what was it, uh, the the false dragon? Mm, yes, yes, yes. So if you are a fan, you will have recognized the professor on Casa de Papel, Alvaro Morte, playing the false dragon. He was fabulous. He was dope. <laughs> he was <laughs> fantastic. You. Scary as hell. Yes. <laughs> you and and he he got into like he embraced the character. Yes. It's not easy to just sit there and be silent and in, you know what I mean. Like yo, mm -mm. that was that was some good acting right there. It was some beautiful acting. He was great. He was great. He yeah. He was definitely a highlight for me. I was like, this guy is good. <laughs> <laughs> And here's a crazy thing. Alvaro Morton, I think he's one of the very first roles he ever did, he's ever done in English. Okay. He's, I, unless it was overdubbed, his English, in terms of accent, sounded better than a lot of Spanish actors who've been in Hollywood for years. So, so if that was his voice, actually, kudos, because, like, hardly any accent. Hardly any accent at all. So, so I was like, yo, the professor knows English and he speaks well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know how, like, I've seen actors who are acting in another language and I can tell that they are reciting something that they just bottled in, you know. I've seen a lot of uh, American actors, for instance, speaking a few words in German. And the way they phrase the cadence of the of the way they're saying it, you can tell that they just learned to say those things. And they say it well, they pronounce it well, but you know, there's a context to the way you, you to what the way your voice sounds when you're saying something in a language that you know versus reciting a, a line. And that's yeah. not what I heard here on Alvaro Morte. I heard a dude that Although he learned some lines, but he was acting those lines out as he spoke. So, kudos on that. And uh, another actor that that I was happy to see there, you know, his this I didn't even know that he did TV, but he's he's dope ass motherfucker. Uh, Hamed Animashon, he's an opera singer. <laughs> <laughs> he played the Ogier. And, and I love this character because he's an over-explainer. And sometimes he had to be stopped like, yeah, yeah, we get it, motherfuckers, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you was know. funny. Yeah, and he was like, oh, I forget. You humans are always in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this character. I, I love, but I love, yeah. the, I love uh, whenever I see this guy on, on films or on TV, I think he's made a couple of appearances on on Doctor Who. He's a, he's a, one of those gentle giants, and yes. and I, I I freaking love him. I would love like I don't enjoy the opera as much as I should, but I would love to see him on stage in full operatic mode, because my dude my dude is is admirable as hell. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Priyanka Bose uh, was one of the green. Was she? Uh, uh, she was Alana Mosvani, one of the Green Asia. Yes. Pretty as hell. I love her. Yes. You know, every time I see her, I want to smile. Kay Alexander was the seer. She was on Game of Thrones too. Uh, so 
as soon as I see there was a, there were a couple of Game of Thrones alums here, Jojo. I was wondering if there there would be because of the I don't want to say similarities the genre, but, genre right but the genre yeah yeah because like Michael Michael Hatton the 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 guy who played the father of of that kid what's his name Rand um, Rand he was on Game of Thrones and Kay Alexander was on Game of Thrones and uh, also. I think Alexandre Guillaume was on Game of Thrones. I don't remember correctly, but there were a couple of people from Game of Thrones there. But again, there were some surprise actors that I saw there. Abdul Saliz, uh, the guy that played Child Valda. <laughs> he he was he was a cool sadistic asshole. He's <laughs> <laughs> bad. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, uh, It was he was he was a cool sadistic asshole, um, mm-hmm. of of Ghanaian parents born in London. Also, Maria Doyle Kennedy was a surprise appearance here for me, um, as part of the of the walking. You know the way of the leaf. Uh, yes, the way of the leaf. Yes. Yeah, I actually. She... That's that's a beautiful philosophy, and I think that kid uh, character embraced it in the end. Uh, yes. Marcus Rutherford's character. Um, but yeah, Maria Doyle Kennedy was a was a surprise appearance here. Yeah, it was good to see her because she's she's one of my favorite uh, yeah. kind of character niche actors that you get to see when she when she pops up. It's like ah, oh, yeah, this is gonna <laughs> be good, right? Like yeah, yeah. yeah uh, uh, I was sad to see the character played by Izuka Hoyle was was just like on one episode. She was the the bartender, you know that. <laughs> yes, and it yes. have been not really the bartender. <laughs> yes, um, I also was sad to see that Alexander Willem uh, character was was also a short lived one. The what do you call the 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 glee the the glee man is that the glee the gleeman yeah the gleeman yeah no, but. One guy that popped up from the very beginning, and as soon as I saw him, I'm like, yeah, this motherfucker is not playing a good character. He is not good. Was Joan Myers as the Patton Fane. <laughs> <laughs> Joan Myers. Joan Myers loved those characters. He doesn't play good guys ever, man, <laughs> with his big ass teeth. <laughs> Damn, man. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, ah, oh, this motherfucker is not going to be good. Oh, uh, we got a baddie. <laughs> this is fantastic. Um, I, I don't, I didn't know that I was going to enjoy this show. And as we've, you know, we, we've said, we, we've got our complaints, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I do think that I had pressure because it wasn't a limited series. So I presume that there are some more seasons to come. They have what I read. They they there is going to be a second season, at least. And here's what I predict is going to happen. This show probably is going to do well with the award seasons, at least in terms of nomination. And a lot of people are going to grow curious and go to it. And probably by the second season, it will have a lot of really diehard fans that that are like all about the show and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. that's the way it is. Yeah, you know? a lot of people 
were never interested in socialist politics until Bernie Sanders ran for president and then now they're more socialist than all the motherfuckers. You know? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all you know, people be embracing shit in, in just, just, you know, one dimension and without any background to it. But that's a good thing for this particular series because as you said, Jojo, if it were a show on HBO Max, it would have exploded already. Oh, yes. I, yeah. I have no problem believing that. So, <laughs> Prime Video is going to have to do something about that. Yeah. Um, I think if there are more seasons to come, it's going to get better. But this was definitely a hit. And it yeah. would have been way bigger had it been on a more mainstream uh, streaming platform. And I don't understand why Amazon Prime isn't mainstream because I like everybody has Prime, so I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it comes with it comes with the membership, so yes, it's not yes. it's not something really that you're going to notice that you're paying for. But I still talk to people who don't know that they have Prime. Prime Video is part of is like a streaming platform. Like, I think they see it, and what they see is like, oh, you have to pay for this to you know. Yeah, like a renting type of thing, which yeah. it does. I you mean, can do you <laughs> can do that. You can rent movies through Amazon Prime or, or, or TV series. But yeah, they a lot of stuff is some of their original their shows have been fun. And I and again we've talked about this before, but there is a a selectiveness to what to the shows produced as Amazon original. Like they're not throwing money at everybody who comes with, comes up with a with a with a you know with a story and say I think we should make this. Yeah. What I've seen, the things that have taken my time to watch, I'm like, nicely done. And you know, I think it all started with Transparent, right? And and then you got Mrs. Maisel and the Men in the High Castle, which still. That show started and ended, and I it never made the splash that I was expecting it to make. And it's to make, and it's one of the greatest shows that have come along in in a long ass time, you, you know. But it wasn't Prime, you know. Yep. So maybe Prime should talk to us, and we'll put it in the market. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just we'll work on some marketing for him. Just yeah. to, you know. Yeah. A lot of people, I guess, believe that. Yeah, this guy getting paid. No, we're not getting paid by any fucking body. No. No one. <laughs> not a soul. So, overall, <laughs> Jojo, what? Uh, how would you rate this show? Um, I think a solid three stars. I would a say solid three stars. Uh, yeah, solid three stars with with hopes for the next season to to improve. Um, not saying that the season's bad, but just it's got. More potential, I feel like, for the second season to be phenomenal. Yeah, I think they left some 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 open gaps here that maybe could could be completed in the next season. And yeah. I'm already looking forward to the next season, so that's a, that's a plus. So the show we've discussed today is the wheel, the wheel of time, the wheel of time. Wheel. I, I, I think this age is there for some reason, so it has to be wheel. <laughs> the wheel of time. Amazon Prime and Rosamond Pike with a cast of brilliant, 
brilliant actors have done a fantastic job and uh, all the episodes are now available there's another thing too and i think before uh, just a parenthesis here i think amazon should stop playing around with the whole weekly release shit i think that might that i don't think that's working in their favors because i still haven't seen season two of the boys because they did like that. Either. And, uh, like, yeah, I haven't like, either. And I loved season one and couldn't wait for season two, but I haven't seen it yet. They, they have I to couldn't stop get that. into the weekly thing. They have to stop I that. I feel like it's something that. that works for certain shows. Like, I, I think it works very well for The Mandalorian. I think it worked really well for WandaVision. But those are, are, are more like episodic shows, they're, they're more almost sitcom length type shows for something like this. uh, And for something like the boys, you, you need the ability to, to binge it. Yeah. And so one way I've thought about this, why is it that it robs me the wrong way is because if I'm, even though I stream HBO, you know, I stream like anything that was, that has a history of having been a TV channel, even though now it's, streamable i still can get behind the idea that the release are episodic and 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 you have to wait and like i just watched pretty much the entire season of dexter new blood and and i stream showtime i don't i don't have showtime as a channel i stream showtime right but but i was okay with that i I went every every sunday as soon as i got up because you don't have to wait until 9 p.m like the channel and shit i went and and, and watched it. I was fine with that. And I'm fine with Disney Plus, even though Disney Plus, you know, is, is an extension of, but Disney, yeah, whatever. But I don't, I don't think it suits Amazon Prime to be doing this shit. Mm-mm. I don't. And the one thing I have to give kudos to Netflix is that they've never even tried that shit. No, they never have. <laughs> no. never, I think they did a couple of like, I think the Hassan Minaj show, they tried to do that. That sounds familiar, but I feel like it got dropped in like a week. Yeah, it got dropped because Hassan Minaj went after the uh, the Saudi family, and Netflix wanted him to 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 apologize. It's like fuck that, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, but, but you know, I think Netflix have pretty much stuck to the to the idea of you guys are binge watcher. Here's twelve episodes. Fucking watch that in one weekend. I like that. Yep. That's that's what that's what we do. Anyway, then we're gonna we are about to call it a day, but before we do that, we would like to tell you that you can find us and follow us on social media as Kicking and Streaming Podcast. So we are on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and all of that. But at the same time, individually, we are on social media. You can find Jocelyn strictly on Instagram as KNS Co-host. Right, Jojo? That's so me. Is? That's me. K, the letter K as in knowledge. Okay. N as in no! <laughs> S as in C. K and S co-host. That's on Instagram. And me, you will find me as Mr. Puzzetta. That's M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. That's for Instagram and also on Twitter. What else do we... Well, also, if you are uh, thinking about 
hey, these guys did a good job and I want to tip them. You can go to our kickinginstrumentpodcast.com, which is our website, and find us there on Buy Me a Coffee or Kofi, K-O-F-I. Boom, tip jar is right there. We'll take whatever you give. No, nothing is too literal for us. Nope. All right? So we're That's talking right. about good stuff right there. You know, Jojo and I having a beer on your behalf because you thought we deserved a beer. That's perfectly fine with us. You can, mm-hmm. you can do a one-time thing if you want to, a one-time tip. Or also, if you want to join us and create a little club where monthly we get together with you and have a beer, you know, on a monthly basis, we can do that too. Yeah. So, com is our website. And if you look to your right-hand side, you will see. Or you can just go straight to our donate page. So, com forward slash donate yeah i think i think i think that's it jojo right i think that's it i think that's all of us are we gonna call it a day jojo i think we're gonna call it a day let's go ahead and do that ladies and gentlemen for me and for the absolutely fantastic jojo this is goodbye have a good week bye everybody good week thank you for listening to kicking and streaming podcast if you found value in our content please subscribe and share We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.